2: Or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services.
0: A warm and friendly low welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the baseball betting podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Got a tremendous podcast for you. As in the second segment, we're going to be joined by our good friend with the Vegas Sets Information Network, Jeff Parles. Going to be talking a lot about these games that are going to be going down on Monday. The fact that we've got a bunch of day games, so we're going to be looking at how he handicaps these day games versus just a normal game. Going to be talking about the NL East as well as... The Mets right now have the largest lead of any team out there in the National League that is currently leading their division, which I find hilarious. So, going to be talking about that and so much more in the second segment. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys a side total. On every game, on the betting board for this Monday, and a little something you like to call touch them All first things first, always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And you've got one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, the letters ZM to me mean does not matter, so GUnit underscore 81 on the tweets. And then, if you are someone that you don't like social media, which I do not blame you one bit... Or if you're looking to just help out this podcast, because a five-star review on Apple Podcasts really is big. I know that many of you guys, that's the best way to be able to support this podcast. Rate five stars on Apple Podcasts if you get the opportunity. And just keep downloading and listening like you do every single day if you're listening to this. Really do appreciate it. But you're also able to get interactive with this show via an Apple Podcast review. Because if you rate this podcast five stars... From there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we did wind up having a great day of baseball on Sunday. And can someone please give the first team I'm going to talk about a little bit of respect so we're gonna be taking a look at everything that we wound up seeing on Sunday try to get to know these seems a little bit better and try to find some trends
2: what happened yesterday let's go around the bases and find out the
0: top run line team in baseball so far this year is the San Francisco Giants and they went outright against the Dodgers taking three straight in Dodger Stadium to end these series five to four the final Kevin Gosman he was terrific Six world settings. Now the bullpen got things a little bit airy. Zach Liddell winds up giving up two runs in an inning and Jake McGee winds up giving up two runs as well as for the Dodgers. pair of home runs off of McGee. Albert Pujols gets his third in Dodger blue and Max Muncy gets his 13th. But for Clayton Kershaw, he has now given up in his last 13 home starts dating back to the 2019 season. 20 home runs in those starts. The bullpen backed him up. Alex Vazia Victor Gonzalez, and Joe Kelly with three scoreless settings, but he gives up all five runs and takes a loss. Going deep for the San Francisco Giants, Austin Slater is seventh of the season, and Mauricio Dubon is third. So the Giants now 33-20. They and the San Diego Padres sit atop the NL West And For the Padres, they wind up dropping a game as they wind up losing to the Houston Astros by a count of 7-4. Blake Snell just does not have it so far this year. I'm going to be needing to see more of him before I wind up backing him again. Gives up seven runs over the course of three innings. His walks per nine rate is hovering right around six. He does give up a home run while giving up all seven of those runs. Going deep for the Houston Astros. Kyle Tucker is 11th of the season and... On the other side, Zach Granke was terrific, giving up one solo home run over the course of eight innings. Now, Andre Scrub gives up three in the ninth as going deep off of Scrub. Will Myers, his sixth of the campaign. You wind up getting the lone home run coming off of Greinke by Webster Tavares his first of the season. Then Hasan Kim able to go deep off of Scrub as well for his third. An interesting note, because the Padres had played four straight extra inning games, their bullpen was taxed. So, Joe Musgrove winds up pitching five innings of relief. A no-hitter in five innings for them. So that was something that was very, very strange in the Astros. able will get back on track. They have now scored at least four runs in 16 out of their last 20 games. The Cincinnati Reds have had a little bit of a tough go of it on the road so far this year. And the Cubs have been one of the best teams at home so far this year. But the Reds, able to get a 5-1 to win. So for the Reds, now 12-15 and 15 on the road. And for the Cubs... 18 and 10 at home after this one. And in this one for the Cincinnati Reds, Tyler Molly a terrific start. Only goes eight innings, but gives up a one hit, one walk, punches out eight. And then Amir Garrett, Lucas Sims, TJ Antone, all give you between an inning and an inning and a third. Scoreless. And then Cionel Perez winds up giving up a run out of the bullpen. But for the Cincinnati Reds, Eugenio Hora is able to go deep off of Jake Arrieta's 12th of the season for Arietta. Just did not wind up lasting long in this start. He winds up giving up six hits, four walks, and three and two-thirds innings does get hurt by the fielding. Chris Bryant, Patrick Wisdom both commit errors. So of the five runs that he gives up, only two of which were earned. And for the Cubs, bullpen has been terrific, Brad. We four outs out of the bullpen, and the bullpen did not give up a single run. So Dill Maples, two scoreless, Dan Winkler. Squirrel is heading along with Rex Brothers. But for the Cubs, just a little bit of bad fielding that winds up hurting Jake Arrieta, a guy that, as we know, been very, very streaky. The Baltimore Orioles are not streaky because they're just terrible. They have now lost a double-digit amount of games in a row, I believe now 13 straight. Three to one, the final. The White Sox wind up covering every game on the run line in the series for the Baltimore Orioles. 0-3 with men in scoring position. Lone run comes off of a DJ Turnitup. it up Stewart home run. His fifth of the season. That comes off of Lucas Gilito, who has been able to find it recently. Seven innings pitch. Punches out 12, gives up that solo home run. Garrett Crochet, Liam Hendricks, they close the door for Hendricks' 13th save of the season. And third in the last two days, and for Billy Hamilton, second time in two days that he winds up going deep. He goes deep off of Keegan Aiken, and if you're Keegan Aiken, the fact that you wind up giving up a home run to Billy Hamilton is embarrassing, but lone run they gave up in four and two thirds innings. Dylan Tate has actually been Halfway decent for the Baltimore Orioles in the bullpen the last couple years. Gives up two runs in an inning. Adam Plutko, along Cole Solzer, both give you two outs of the bullpen without giving up a run. And Paul Fry gave you a scoreless inning. But for the Baltimore Orioles, now 17-36. and 36. Things are going southward for them. Things have been going southward for the Detroit Tigers prior to their series against the Yankees, but they sweep the Yankees 6-2 the final list while Michael King gets his first start of the year. He was pretty much a pseudo-opener. Gives up four runs, two of which were earned over the course of two and a third innings. Was hurt by a pair of errors by Glaber Torres, who just wound up having a bad game in this one. Gio Rochelle commits an error as well, and then you wind up having Nestor Cortez Jr. coming in. Gives up two runs, one of which was earned in three and two-thirds innings. You wind up having the final two pitch by Nick Nelson, who ends up going scoreless, but for the Yankees, they strained 10 men on base. They just weren't able to do a lot out of Tyreek Scubo, who had been having a terrible year prior to this one, but take scoreless settings out of him. Now, the Detroit Tigers are the worst bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. Brian Garcia gives up two runs while recording two outs, but Michael Fulmer gets the final four outs. Derek Holland gives you a scoreless setting to drop his ERA to a ten fifty. 50 And for the Tigers, they themselves strand 11 men on base, but thanks to the Yankees committing a bunch of errors, they're able to get the job done there. The Colorado Rockies are now four and twenty three on the road, thanks to their win over the Pittsburgh Pirates, and they rallied to do so. They wind up winning by a count of four to three. They were down by a count of three to one going into the eighth, but they played one in the eighth, two in the ninth, Charlie Blackman was able to get a team, two doubles, and a triple in this one for a Colorado team that went 1 of 11 with men in scoring position. That was much needed as Kyle Freeland, not a good start in this one, gives up three runs off the course of four innings, but a bullpen that has worst ERA on the road all season long, five scoreless innings. Daniel Bard gets a two-inning win. You wind up having Jordan Sheffield give you two scoreless. Cesar Estevez, a scoreless inning as well and for the Pittsburgh Pirates. A bunch that is not doing a lot on offense, then go 2 of 7 with Ben in scoring position and actually got a good start out of Chase DeYoung. He winds up going 5 innings, giving up one run in the process A bullpen that has actually been relatively soft for the Pittsburgh Pirates winds up not being able to come through. Richard Rodriguez gives up two runs in one and a third innings. Wound up entering into this game with right around a 0-60 ERI. Kyle Crick gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning as well. Chasing Shreve, Sam Howard combined for an inning, and Clay Holmes scoreless inning as well. But for the Pittsburgh Pirates, not a good luck losing to Colorado on your own field. Brandon Woodruff, he has a tremendous look. He might be the second-best pitcher out there in the National League to Jacob DeGrom. 3-0 to zero to finalize. Brandon Woodruff, 7 scoreless settings. Punches out 10. Brad Boxberger, scoreless setting. And then Josh Hader is able to get the save. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, pair of home runs. Omir Nervais is fourth of the season that comes off of Austin Voth in the ninth. And then, Aviciel Garcia, first hitting home run off of Max Scherzer. We've seen this a lot from Max Scherzer, him giving up runs early and then settling in. That's exactly the case here. For Mr. Aviciel Garcia, that was his 10th home run of the season. And for Scherzer, still a solid start. He gives up that home run, punches out 10 in 6 innings, gives up 2 runs. Kyle Finnegan, wonder, I swear this guy sucks. Both a scoreless setting and then Voth, why is he giving up that home run? But for the Washington Nationals, just nothing doing in this game. 0-2 with men in scoring position, 3 total hits. The Nationals wind up getting just completely swept by the Milwaukee Brewers in this series and a much-needed series win for the Milwaukee Brewers. A much-needed win for the Tampa Bay Rays? Actually, not necessarily needed, but just adding on to what has been an impressive streak. The Rays have now won 15 out of their last 16, 62 of the final, and for the Philadelphia Phillies, they actually needed this win because they are now 10-18 and 18 on the road. They've been vastly different away from Philadelphia, and in this one, they go 2-8 of eight with men in scoring position. Zach Eflin was Eflin awful. Gives up four runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings, giving up a pair of home runs. Going deep for the Tampa Bay Rays, Mike Zanino is 12th of the season, and Brett Phillips is third. Call me Q serves as an opener, two-thirds of an inning, gives up two hits. And then Josh Fleming is a bulk guy. 4 two-thirds innings, he gives up two runs, gets a win. Andrew Kittrich gives you four outs out of the bullpen from there. Jeffrey Springs, he gives you an out. And then Pete Fairbanks and Diego Casio close out the eighth and ninth innings. The Tampa Bay Rays, one of the best teams with regards to managing their bullpen. They do so once again in this one. And for the Phillies, give them credit. Bullpen wasn't terrible. Archie Bradley does give up a run, but it was unearned. Brandon Kitzler, a scoreless inning. Five outs out of Connor and He gives up a run. And Ranger Suarez, a scoreless appearance as well. So they were able to do their part. And speaking of doing their part, the Toronto AK Eden, a.k.a. Buffalo Blue Jays, take down the Cleveland Indians by a count of 4-1 in Game 1 of their double dip, and then the Indians would wind up taking Game 2, but in Game 1 for the Blue Jays. pair of home runs, Oscar Hernandez, his eighth of the season off of Mr. Aaron Savalli and then Savalli starts going up to Rowdy Tellis, his start of the season, as Ross Stripling, who has had a bad season to this point, but he might have found a little bit of something after they used an opener from in his last start against the race. One run given up over the course of five innings. That was a solo run going deep for the Cleveland Indians. Josh Naylor is fifth, but that's all the offense that the Cleveland Indians would get. Rafael Dolis a scoreless sixth, and then Jordan Romano was able to get the save, and for the Cleveland Indians, they wind up just not having a man in scoring position in general to be able to strain. They leave four men in total on base, and for Aaron of all... He gives the team six innings, but he got it around. Gives up four runs, those two homers. Ten total hits, Phil Maiden was able to give you a scoreless inning, but for the Cleveland Indians, they were able to get their offense going in game number two. They take down the Blue Jays by a count of six of five, and this was the only out of the five double dips that we saw over the weekend that wound up having a split. Steven Mass, he winds up giving up four runs in five innings, but only two of which were earned. A Santiago Espinal Air winds up hurting him. Tyler Chatwood from there gives up two runs in one and a third inning, so that was really tough for the Toronto Blue Jays. No home runs in this one, but they do go three of six with men in scoring position as they were able to just capitalize on their opportunities and the advantages not looking like a good starter for the Cleveland Indians. 7.15 ERA gives up four runs over the course of two and a third innings, but the Indians, a top five bullpen with regards to ERA out there in the big leagues, shows it in this one. Emmanuel Clay, Trevor Steven, along Dick Wicker and Ollie Squirrel in. John Carlos Mejia has yet to give up a run so far this year. He winds up giving the team five outs. He was certainly able to do his job. Speaking of being able to do their job, that's exactly what we saw out of the LA Angels and their bullpen as they take down the Oakland A's by a count of 4-2. Jose Kitana is right now giving up about seven walks per nine innings. Was not long for this one. Now, the two runs that he gave up were unearned, but he gives up two hits, four walks over the course of three innings, walks in a run, 722 is now a CRA, so he winds up going three innings. But how about this from the Angels? Their last 10 innings have been scoreless out of the bullpen, and in this one, 6 scoreless innings. Rossiel Glacius, a 4-out save. Mike Myers gives you a pair of outs. C.C. Check, a scoreless inning. And in long relief, 3 scoreless from Jose Suarez. So, that was actually relatively solid. Jared Walsh gets his 12th home run the season, that comes off of Cole Irvin, who has now given up at least 3 runs in each out of his last 4 home starts, last 5 overall, and I believe that the Ace, have now lost each out of his last 5 overall. Gives up 4 runs over the course of 6 innings, including that bomb. The A's bullpen looks solid in this one. Cam Bedrosian, the former Angel, was able to give you a scoreless inning. Asus Lazardo is now coming out of the bullpen. He actually looked very good in an inning. And Birch Smith, a scoreless inning as well. But for the Oakland A's. Just squandered opportunities. Left the bases loaded in the third inning. They had them loaded with zero outs and they wind up mustering one run after they wind up getting one r- walked in and from there just not able to capitalize. The Arizona Diamondbacks were able to capitalize on an opportunity though. They have lost 13 straight. They have now won one straight. 9-2 the final over the St. Louis Cardinals as Kwon Young Kim. A bad start in this one. Gives up four runs over the course of five innings including a home run. Going deep for the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Marte parte of Quitel Marte. Great to have him back along with Starling Marte of the Marte Parte, who plays for the Miami Marlins who wound up getting washed up against the Boston Red Sox. His start of the season for the Diamondbacks 6 of 13 with men in scoring position and they've now scored at least 4 runs in each of their last 5 games. Matt Peacock who wound up getting scratched due to illness in his last start a few days ago. 2 runs given up over the course of 6 innings. Did not appear to be too bothered by any sort of an illness. Now Dylan Carlson was able to take him deep for his 4th home run of the season but for the Cardinals 1 of 11 with men in scoring position. Riley Smith 3 scoreless innings for the a Diamondbacks, and for the St. Louis Cardinals, bullpen that has been relatively solid, Junior Fernandez gives you two scoreless settings. You wind up getting a pair of outs out of Jake Woodford, but Tyler Webb, a bad appearance in this one now, rocking a 12 33 gives up five runs three, which were earned while being able to get just one out, so that was honestly too ideal for them. This was ideal in your battle of Asian born pitchers, as the Seattle Mariners by Yusei Kikuchi get the 4-2 win. Jun Yang, who winds up coming over from the KBO. KBO legend, though. His last year in the KBO was actually one of his worst. He does not wind up giving you a lot of length in this one. Gives up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of three innings. Bullpen from there was actually solid. You wind up having one run given up in two innings by DeMarcus Evans, but... You wind up having Brett Martin, Josh Shorbich along Taylor Hearn. I'll give you a scoreless inning, but for the Texas Rangers, nothing doing in this one aside from a Joey Gallo home run in the 7th, his ninth of the season. As you say, Kikuchi, he's always known for giving up hard contact, but six two thirds innings gives up two runs. From there, Paul Sewell, Keenan Middleton, both give you a scoreless inning, and JT Chargois was able to close out the 7th as the Seattle Mariners all of a sudden are on a run. They were able to sweep the Texas Rangers in all four games, and this is a bunch that they have now been able to win. Six out of their last seven games, so things are starting to turn around for the Mariners, who are 27 and 27 so far this season. And speaking of things, being able to turn around, we always have good turnaround when it comes to the favorites as in the beginning of the year, they were just not doing well for two or three weeks of the season. It was really a dog-heavy season, but if you take a look right now, favorites for the season, 437 and 340, so they've been able to do a relatively solid job ever since that Opening, I guess you could call it calamity. Underdogs on the run line, though, 461 and 323. So if you're taking the run and a half, you're covering at a 58.8% clip. If you're looking for the year, unders are now leading overs, 380 and 376. So relatively even. The books have done a good job of being able to adjust. If you're just looking at the last seven days alone, the favorites are 51 and 38 and overs now well, they're not having a good time of it. 50-unders of 37-overs. That's a 57.5% clip. And if you're looking at the last 30 days, favorites hitting at a 59.2% clip, 238 and 264. Meanwhile, overs 205 and 188 to the unders. That's 52.2%. So that's what we all saw in Major League Baseball on Sunday. Now let's talk about what is going to be a terrific holiday of baseball. Our man Jeff Parles of the Vegas Science and Information Network is going to be joining us next, talking about how he evaluates some of these day games, how he's looking at the NL East in general as well, and just take a look at a couple games for Monday in general from a handicapping standpoint. That's X right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson.
2: Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here. Love Lovey
0: love Vegas for the baseball betting podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to get this guest on the podcast as he does tremendous work with the Vegas ads and information network. And on top of that, he does a podcast of his own. That is called the parlay cast man, handicaps, a little bit of everything. And occasionally we are lucky enough to get him on the podcast as it is. Jeff parles. You're able to follow him on Twitter at easy enough. Jeff parles. That is with a J not a G E and then P A R L E S on last name and Jeff Always great to have you, Bart. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Yeah, good as always to be on with you, Hoops. You are ready to roll as always. And again, it's a holiday, day baseball. Nothing wrong with that.
0: No, not at all. And do you ever wind up up evaluating day games a little bit differently than night games? I personally don't necessarily put a lot of stock in that. Now, I know that Jacob deGrom is like the master of day games. And then in night games, he's still very, very solid. But in day games especially, he's just absolutely on another level but is that something that you ever take a
1: look at personally you know usually greg well keep in mind usually the day games are on sundays which are travel days so normally if i'm gonna look at a day game stat it would be on more on a sunday more than anything or if a team's at the end of a long road trip and it's a little more complicated on a holiday day like this because you have a whole bunch of day games starting off a series usually on Memorial Day. So it's a little more complex on a day like this or a Labor Day later in the year, which falls on a Monday, which usually means a bunch of those games in a day are starting off series as opposed to ending them.
0: Yeah, and I think what is going to be very fascinating with the handicap in some of these games as well is that a lot of teams are traveling and they are playing during day games. So sometimes you would expect the bats would be a little bit sleepy to not necessarily have the world's greatest goal of it and the pitchers would be a little bit more fresh. I don't know if you ever take a look at this but I always attribute day games especially the early ones with the bats being sometimes a little bit tired towards the beginning of the day.
1: Yeah you could see that for sure Greg. Some teams are a lot better playing in the day than others but again here's the thing though Greg Major League Baseball as a whole is not hitting this year. So they have to keep that into account as you do with any game.
0: Oh, absolutely. As we do have Jeff Parles joining me on the podcast. And speaking of not hitting, the New York Mets had the Arizona Diamondbacks game. We were supposed to be getting David Peterson going for the New York Mets in this one. But the Mets wind up getting Sunday night baseball rained out. So if you're anticipating some nice Sunday night baseball action, well, you are unable to get that. Instead, it is going to be Jacob DeGrom and Merrill Kelly on Monday. As I'm seeing it right now, I've got to think that this is sort of the leftover from the David Peterson game. I'm seeing a total of 7.5, with Merrill Kelly, who's actually been very solid at home. On the road, a completely different story, right around a 2-point ERA difference between home and road, but... If they're giving me so to have in this spot, I'm certainly going to be taking this under.
1: Look, I would definitely take a first five under. The one thing is the Mets are looking like they will be getting some reinforcements back Monday, Greg. Looks like Alonzo's going to be back and in the lineup on Monday. If not, he'll be back Tuesday. So obviously see on that. And look... The Binghamton Rumble ponies that the Mets have brought up have actually, mm-hmm. look, if you told me, Greg, that the Mets would be have the biggest lead of any team in their own division, in every division in all baseball, going into Memorial Day. Oh, and by the way, Francisco Lindor is hitting under 200, and he's the only regular playing every single day because everyone else is hurt. I'm going to say, I guess the Mets are about 12 games out behind Atlanta right now. And instead, the Mets are in really good shape. And they're only going to get the Cavalry back. So for Monday's game with DeGrom and Kelly, first five under is always pretty safe with the DeGrom outing. The Mets don't score early in games for him. DeGrom doesn't give up runs. DeGrom already in a hitter haven this year in Colorado. He did give up three runs, but all of them are unearned. Good for the Diamondbacks to finally end that losing streak on Sunday. And they did get Keith Almarte back, which is very important to them because he's by far their best hitter. I would still be inclined. First five under more than anything, but... Look, as it is with baseball at this point, Greg, if you get a tight game late, extra innings can blow it up. Oh, and that Arizona bullpen isn't any good either.
0: Yeah, the Arizona bullpen over the last 30 days worse, ERA and baseball. And to your point, we are very happy on this podcast, too, that like you tell Marte came back because it is the Marte Parte, And Starling Marte of the Miami Marlins has come back as well. So we've got double your pleasure on the Marte Parte, which... That always makes me very happy to be able to make those funds on this podcast. But taking a look at the NL East in general, you do have the Nationals and the Atlanta Braves are going to be doing battle. As we know, the Atlanta Braves, they didn't necessarily have the world's greatest weekend. The game that they were supposed to play against the New York Mets yesterday got brained out. And Marcel Zuna has been arrested. So that's how your weekend's going if you're the Atlanta Braves. Oh, by the way, you also gave up 13 runs to a Mets team on Saturday, which the Mets had not really been hitting at all to save their lives. and. You've got a couple guys in the lineup that I don't think that they had heard of themselves. So I, yeah. there's that going on. And for the Washington Nationals, not a great weekend against the Milwaukee Brewers as they were unable to generate a lot of offense. I think that this is an intriguing series for sort of the wrong reasons. But Joe Ross, even though he does have a 5'090 ERA, you could really chalk it up to two really bad starts. Past that, he's been relatively solid. And Charlie Morton, I was just expecting a little bit more out of
1: him. Yeah, I actually kind of like Washington as his bloated price on the road, Greg, and Look, there usually is one team a year in baseball that turns into a massive disappointment. And the Atlanta Braves look like they're going to be the team. They were already struggling a lot more than they should have so far this year, going to be under 500 going into June, regardless of what happens on Monday. To me, Darno going out with the thumb really kind of catapulted this mess for Atlanta, even though they really weren't playing that well to begin with. He has meant a huge impact. That pitching staff has been a big disappointment. They're not hitting as much. We probably won't see Marcelo Zuna again this year, and quite frankly, we probably shouldn't see Marcelo Zuna again, period, in his Major League Baseball career, if he is found guilty of what he is charged with there in Atlanta, what he was arrested for, a horrible domestic abuse assault case that's going to end up being put against him there in Georgia. But the Braves are a big disappointment, Greg, and they're a big disappointment in the year where Ronald Acuna who we already knew is a superstar is taking it to a next level. I know defending MVP Freddie Freeman has not had a great year, even though he's in a bunch of homers. And like you said, Charlie Morton was a big offseason acquisition for them and he is stunk and they're not getting Soroka back either. This is a team that I would not be surprised if they finish around or under 500 at the rate they're going. And Greg, they just pin it back on the NL East going back to what we were talking about before in the game before with the Mets and the Diamondbacks. The Mets have had all these things go wrong, and they're still in first place in five games over 500. and they're only going to get healthier. The Braves are not going to get healthier as this goes along, just by the fact that Soroka's not coming back, you're not going to see Ozuna anymore in all likelihood, and Travis Darnot is a three-month injury, as it was anyway. So I would not be shocked that the Braves missed the playoffs this year, and it is a big change-up there where Sneaker gets canned and that's a totally different-looking coaching staff in 2022.
0: Yeah, it certainly is something where the Atlanta Braves wound up taking some massive strides. forward. the last couple of years, they were able to make the NL Championship Series. Actually had a 3-1 lead on the Dodgers, but weren't able to close that out, and they seem to be experiencing a little bit of a hangover this year. And the Dodgers, will they be having a hangover from the fact that they've lost three straight to the San Francisco Giants? That is a question, as they're going to be having, in my opinion, the best pitching matchup of any of them on Monday. Trevor Bauer going for the Dodgers. Captain Jack Flaherty for the St. Louis Cardinals. I know that Flaherty's peripheral numbers aren't necessarily the greatest, but as I'm seeing it right now, you're able to find the Cardinals right around plus 150 to plus 155. Bauer has been terrific. He's given up two earned runs or fewer in each out of his last eight starts. So he's certainly getting the job done in its of its own right. But take a look at the Dodgers. They've had a couple losing streaks so far this year. They've been able to find it off him. But I take a look at this spot. And if you're giving me plus 150 with Captain Jack Flaherty, I'm going to take it.
1: Yeah, look, the thing is, I think part of the reason that price is as bloated as it is, Greg, is Dodgers really going to lose four straight. That's going to be the thinking of a lot of betters. And it was three straight against the Giants where I know Pujols nearly won the game on Friday night. But the Dodgers needed a miracle to tie that game and possibly win that game in the bottom of the ninth with an Austin Barnes three-run shot. They were pretty thoroughly beaten on Saturday. And the giant horrible bullpen was the only reason Sunday got close. So, look, the Dodgers, to me, Greg, I still think they're the best team in baseball when they get healthy. They'll be the best team. They're still the favorite. They still should be the favorite to win the World Series. But they are a lot more gettable than really they were at any point a year ago. Again, 60-game schedule, I understand that. But look, in this one on Monday night, you give me Flaherty, especially if you're going to give me a similar price first five, I'd imagine it'll probably be close to plus 130 first five on Flaherty against Bauer. I will take Flaherty, who has been tremendous after his first two starts. He had two bad starts the beginning of the year. And then after that, he has been spectacular and also leading the majors in wins. I know wins aren't really relevant anymore, but he is undefeated, and he's going to garner Cy Young attention if he keeps that up. So I would only bet the Cardinals in this one.
0: Yeah, don't blame me there. Jack Flaherty has had a very good year. And even if you take a look back to 2019, the last, and I air quotes here, normal season, after the All-Star break, he and Jacob DeGrom are arguably the two best pitchers in baseballs. You can throw in there, Garrett Cole as well. Garrett Cole was amazing. The back half of the 2019 season, I'm not going to sell him short, but Jack Flaherty has shown that he's able to do this before, and right now he's putting it all together, as we do have a man that is always put together. Jeff Parle's joining me on the podcast. And, Jeff, when you take a look at the board for Monday, I do think that we've got some very intriguing games. The Tampa Bay Rays are white out. They're going to be hitting the red face off against the New York Yankees. You've got the battle of the teams in the state of California, San Francisco, playing against the LA Angels. You've obviously got a little bit more of a toilet bowl matchup between the Pirates and the Kansas City Royals. list goes on and on. Is there a game or two that's really standing out to you, whether it be from a betting perspective or just
1: from a sit back and watch casually with a beverage perspective? Well, I always like watching Jacob deGrom. That's yeah. one. Greg, you're telling me I don't want to watch the Pirates and the Royals Monday? Dead cool uh, It's usually not, usually not so cool to begin with, getting the ball for Pittsburgh. I'll say this. The Yankees just got swept in Detroit, which, Greg, you should not be getting swept in Detroit, regardless of how good or bad you may be at this point. And the Yankees are supposed to be a playoff-caliber team and looked awful in that whole series after they lost a cold start on Friday and were non-competitive on Saturday and Sunday against a Tiger team. Yeah, I understand they've been playing a little bit better, but come on now. You can't get swept in that series if you're the Yankees. And they come home and are playing the Rays. The Rays have only won 15 out of their last 16, Greg. They are completely on fire. And the Rays own the Yankees, except for the series that actually started this big run for Tampa, where the Yankees went to the chop and took two out of three. It's Rich Hill and Jamison Tyone in this game. Rich Hill is erratic. Tyone has been bad for the most part this year. The Yankees, I still think in the long run, will win the AL East and they will probably be either the number one or number two seed in the American League, depending on what the White Sox end up doing throughout the year, because I don't think any of those West teams are really any good. But this is one of those where it's kind of a pivot point where, all right, is Tampa, obviously they're not 15 out of 16 good, but how good is this Tampa team? And if you're the Yankees, you just got to get your act together together. Where, again, that lineup, even though they're really talented, is very streaky and will go into total slumps like we saw this past weekend in Detroit. So that one I'm intrigued on. The early 1 o'clock game at the stadium in the Bronx. The two, the two New York games. Shocking that I'm picking those two as the two that I'd be looking for on Memorial Day.
0: Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. But you know what? A winning ticket, it doesn't matter if it comes in New York, if it comes in the great state of Wisconsin, if it comes out there in Kansas City, fading the poopy pirates, what have you. They all wind up putting green in your pocket and a man that does a lot of that and so much more across so many sports. That'd be you, Jeff. You do terrific work with the Vegas Sets and Information Network. You've got your own podcast called the Cast. You do a lot of different things and you do so also well. So a lot of the good people at home. Now they're able to follow you on social media, and just what you've all got going on in general.
1: Yeah, add Jeff Parles on the tweets. Very easy, just my name: J E F F P A R L E S. We'll actually be on my guys in the desert later today, Greg. So uh, that'll be good. Uh, five o'clock Eastern time on Vison co-hosting that with uh, Danielle Alvari and Vinny Maliulos, so and that'll be fun. And then, of course, you find you and I and our guy Josh Towers on Sundays on Veasan's Bed Center at six o'clock Eastern time. So make sure to tune into that.
0: It's going to be a lot of fun to watch Jeff today on My Guys in the Desert. Me and him always do a lot of work on the weekends as well. And Jeff always brings it whenever he joins this podcast. So big thanks to Jeff Barles for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it's that time the podcast to give you a sign total on every game on the betting board for this
2: Monday as we touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start, and now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion.
0: And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to get our friend Jeff Parles of the Parlaycast along with Vegas. Sets and information network on this podcast. So big thanks to him. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you sign signed total on every game on the betting board for this Memorial Day Monday as we touch them all.
2: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
0: Do you note know that any changes are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at jerns41. As per usual, we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go. National League games first, then the American League games, and then any interleague games are going to be on the bottom. We do have a double header, but those are Integrated with the normal game, so they are not gonna be at the bottom. That would be the Indians versus White Sox double dip. So there is that. And we are gonna be beginning with the first national League game. That'd be 951, 952. You've got the Philadelphia Phillies and the road face-off against the Cincinnati Reds. We are on to Cincinnati, and they're on to having Wade Miley get the start for them. Meanwhile, Vince Velasquez is on the bump for the Philadelphia Phillies. Your tall this game is between eight and a half and nine. On the 8 half, over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. Under is anywhere between minus 105, and plus 105. On the 9, under is just a minus 120. And the overs even, if you're looking at the red legs, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 113 and minus 129. Meanwhile, your plus price here on Philly is anywhere between plus 103 and plus 110. Wade Miley winds up throwing that no-hitter, and ever since then, hasn't necessarily been the same guy. Meanwhile, for Vince Velasquez, he's actually had a good start to the year, but... It is Vince Velasquez, after all, so you don't know if this is going to have any staying power. 295 ERA. He has been given up the hard contact, as he typically does, right around two home runs per nine innings, and walks per nine. Very concerning with Vince Velasquez. A little bit over five per nine. And this is a Reds team that is just vastly different home the road. With the Reds at home, they're averaging just under six runs per game on the road. More like three and a half. And you've got the top two hitters with regards to batting average in the National League on your side for the Cincinnati Reds. Nick Cassianos, Jesse Winker. Both of these guys have been doing a flat-out incredible job. These two guys, along with Eugenio Suarez, also all have between 12 and 13 home runs. So you've certainly been able to get the hard power there if you're looking at home Cassianos, just in terms of home games. 422 batting average at 10 home runs. He has been an absolute monster. Tucker Barner, whenever he's been behind the plate, he has been doing a relatively solid job. So, I like what you're getting there, Taylor Naquin. He's getting a home run every about 11 or so at bats at home as well. He's been solid in the outfield and then for the Philadelphia Phillies Odubo Herrera, a bidding above a 250 for the month of May, so he's been able to do a little bit of a nice job for the team. Bryce Harper, still up for them, but you've got Mean Gene Zagaro sitting hitting above a 300, not having DD Gregorius to start them, but you've been able to get a little bit of something out of Ron Torres, who at the shortstop spot is right now hitting a little bit above a 300. JT Ryumito has been in and out of the fold. He winds up DHing yesterday, so they were trying to get him as much rest as possible. I anticipate him playing in this game, but take a look at this Phillies team. They are vastly different home to road. At home, they have been. Relatively solid, but on the road, a 10 and 18 record as compared to 15 and 10 at home. So, I certainly do take a look at that, and with the Phillies. Bullpen is just not trustworthy. Archie Bradley comes out of the injured list, but he's not a guy that I certainly look to, and he wanted pitching yesterday, only for seven pitches, so he could come back in this one, but I don't know if you want him to. Hector Neris, oh, he's a little bit of a roll of the dice with them. Connor Brogdon winds up pitching yesterday, so you don't have a lot there. Meanwhile, for the Cincinnati Reds, this is a bottom 10 bullpen with Amir Garrett with north of an 8-ish ERA. Now, they have been a bullpen that has actually been a little bit better on the road just because this is a bandbox of a ballpark, but I just take a look at so many of these guys. See you now, Perez has been used out of the bullpen. He has not necessarily been able to do a good job for the team. Surprisingly, Eshigudu has actually been able to do a nice job whenever he's been out there for the team. So I give him a little bit of credit, but I don't really trust in either of these bullpens. I really don't trust in Mister. Vince Velasquez. I wound up setting Wade Miley as a minus one thirty-two favorite. I do recognize that he certainly has his efficiencies as well, but three fifty ERA. He's been able to do a good job, giving out right around two point three walks per nine innings, less than a home run per nine as well. And this is a little bit of a gutted Phillies team as well. I want up saying this hole 8.6, so even though there's a little bit of juice on it, I'm going to take the over of 8.5 in this spot, and I want to make in the Reds a minus-132 favorite, so we're going to be riding with the Red Redlegs. 953 954 on the betting board. The slam Diego Padres hit the road to face off against the Chicago Cubs. Trevor Williams, was supposed to be the starter for the Cubs. Now it's really to be determined. I have this handicapped as if it's going to be Williams versus Paddock, but just know as I'm doing this, this is very much subject to change. And it is Chris Paddock who's going to be going for the San Diego Padres. Right now, only the Westgate has set a line on this. I assume that this is for Paddock versus Williams. Right now, we're seeing the Padres at minus 152, the Cubs at plus 142, total of 9.5 over and under both at minus 110. I do anticipate the wind being a little bit blowing out. Now, it's not necessarily going to be anything torrential or anything like that. Not like we wound up seeing on Friday or Saturday. But this is with the wind blowing out a tad. I wound up setting Paddock versus Williams. Ironically enough, with the Padres as a minus 152 favorites, so I'd be taking that and a total of 8.3. So I'm looking at the under in this spot with the Padres. They wind up having to use Joe Musgrove, who was supposed to start this game. Yesterday, because they were just out of bullpen arms, but for Paddock, he's been relatively solid at not giving up the deep stuff. Four home runs given up in 42 and a third innings. He's issuing about 2.4-ish walks per nine innings, so I do like that. If you do wind up getting Trevor Williams in this spot, he has not necessarily been very good for the Cubbies, to say the least. Now, the 3-2 record is actually not too bad, but you take a look at the ERA... Overall, it is a 536. He's actually been a little bit better at home, but he's been a little bit lucky on the days in which he's wound up pitching 320 ERA in five starts at home. He has given up four home runs over the course of 42 and two-thirds innings. Opponents are hitting a 228 off of him, so hasn't necessarily been too bad at Wrigley and with this Cubs team in general. Bullpen has been very good. Andrew Jafin has been able to give you some solid innings. Craig Kimbrell looks like the Craig Kimbrel of old. Dylan Maples, Keegan Thompson, the list goes on and on. You've got some good arms. And for the Padres, because they wind up using Joe Musgrove, yes, You're going to have so many guys like Pierce Johnson, Tim Hill... Emilio Pagan, Craig and all available for you. Mark Melanson has been solid as well. And then you've got my man Fernando Tatis Jr. Inning at 299 15 home runs despite the fact that he's missed some games so far this year. Will Myers looks like he's rounding in a form. He drew and Profar both with between 335 and 340 on bases. Eric Cosmer is hitting at 290. Manny Machado wound up getting the day off yesterday but he's returned and he's looking relatively solid. Tommy Pham despite hitting at 220. 353 on base and you've also been able to get a little bit of something out of the catcher spot as well in Webster, Riveras. I know that they wind up getting Austin Supernola back as well. And then you take a look at the Chicago Cubs. They've been able to do a solid job at home. And if you want to take a look at a team with a very interesting home and road split Cubs 18 and 10 at home, 11 and 13 on the road. And these guys in general just have been able to do a good job of be able to put back to ball. Chris Bryant has over a 400 on base. He's been able to give you a double digit amount of home runs and Javi bias. now has 11 home runs as well. He has certainly been able to fire on all cylinders for the St. Wilson Contreras. At home is only hanging at the Mendoza line of 200, but he's been able to give you six home runs, so that's relatively solid for the same David Bode as a much better home to road along. Jock Peterson, so I do take a look at this Cubs team, and I do think that. They should be able to get a little bit of something going, but the Padres, even though they've used their bullpen for the most innings of any team out there in the National League, best bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. That's something that certainly does stand out to me, so if we wind up getting right around a minus 150-ish, I will be taking a look at the Padres in some form or capacity. Right now, no run line available to me, but I'd be willing to take like a plus 120 on the Padres on the run line, and like I said, if the total winds up being nine and a half, going to be taking that under as well. 955-956 on the betting board. The Atlanta Braves are going to be playing us the Washington Nationals. Joe Ross goes for the Nats. Charlie Morton is on the bump for the Atlanta Braves. The Braves are finding themselves as sizable favorites here. Any he work team minus one sixty two and minus one seventy one. Meanwhile, your plus price here with Washington. Any work team plus one forty eight and plus one fifty five. Total on this game is nine. Under is any work team minus one ten and minus one twenty. Over any work team even and minus one ten. With Joe Ross, he wound up having just two really bad starts that has completely jacked up his season so far. Five one nine ERA. But I take a look at it, he winds up just having a complete and utter catastrophe against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Gives up eight runs in four innings. And then he winds up giving up 10 runs to the St. Louis Cardinals in his third start of the campaign. Every other start that he's made, he has given up two earned runs or fear. There was one start in which he wound up giving up four total runs against the Cubs, but two of them were unearned. But you take a look at Charlie Morton, still getting swings and misses, right around 11-ish strikeouts per nine innings, giving up about a home run per nine. I just haven't necessarily been impressed by him. I don't know how, and I don't know why. I think it could be the fact that he's actually pitched worse at home. 471 ERA across six starts. He has given up 10 walks in 28 and two-thirds innings. Opponents are 255 off of him. And for the Washington Nationals, when it comes to road batting, average. here in the top five of the big leagues. They have actually been significantly better on offense on the road than they have been at home. Juan Soto winds up batting leadoff for the team yesterday. He's got a 385 on base, but he hasn't necessarily been able to hit for power so far this year. I think that that's something that might be turning around. Josh Bell, Kyle Schwarber, a pair of guys that are supposed to be your power guys, both hitting below a .230, .320 on base for Schwarber, but he certainly has not been able to do his part. You've got Jan Gomes, Andrew Stevenson, both hitting right in that pocket of a 245 ish and then Jody Mercer has seen a big dip as well. Sir, Castro has given you a little bit of something. And for the Nationals, bullpen has been solid. Brian and is someone that I do like for this team. Kyle Finnegan had a rough start to the year. He's starting to pick it up Danny Andy Hudson. You're able to rely upon But then you got Wander, I swear, oh, this guy sucks. He has a 3RA. Because he is Wander, I swear, oh, this guy sucks. He's going to see a big dip there. And for the Atlanta Braves, this is a bunch in which the bullpen has been shaky as well. Luke Jackson has been probably your best bullpen piece for this team. Tyler Madzek, after having a little bit of a rough go of it in April, he's been able to find a but Jay Flaw, Will Smith, Edgar Santana, these guys haven't necessarily been too terrific for this team, so you've got a couple of issues there. And for the Atlanta Braves, you're dealing with Marcelo Zuna getting arrested just from a human standpoint. that's a little bit of a shock for you. Ronald Acuna Jr. is currently inning right around at 280, and he's been able to give this team 15 home runs he's been magnificent. Despite the fact that Freddie Freeman's only at 240, 366 on base, 12 home runs, he's been solid. Ozzy Albies is starting to pick it up along James V. Swanson, and Austin Riley, north of a 400 on base, William Contreras, who's filling in for Travis Arnault. it has been able to get on base, but not necessarily hitting for Evans Guillermo already. it's giving you a little bit of something, but I just think that this line with the Atlanta Braves is a little bit overinflated, especially with the fact that I know that he wasn't performing before, but now you're dealing with not having Marcel Ozuna, and you're dealing with a distraction in general. was willing to take anything north of a plus 140 on the Nationals, so we're going to be taking that with a total set at 8.5. Eight so we're going to be taking the under along with the Nats. 957, 958 on the betting board. The St. Louis Cardinals at the road to face off against the LA Dodgers. Trevor Bauer Power is going to be going for the Dodgers. Meanwhile, Captain Jack Flaherty is on the bump for St. Louis. St. Louis a sizable underdog. Anywhere between plus 150 and seeing at circa plus 172. If you're looking at the Dodgers, anywhere between minus 170 and minus 190 your total on this game is 6.5. Over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. Under is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. Jack Flaherty should be a little bit of an underdog here. I set him at plus 131 though. This is just extreme. I think that to the point of Jeff Parles, a lot of people are just banking on the fact that it's the Dodgers and there's no way that they're going to lose four games in a row but Jack Flaherty 8-1 record he's allowing about .9 home runs per nine innings Right around 9.1 punch-outs per 9 innings. Trevor Bauer has been averaging just under 12 strikeouts per 9 innings, so he clearly has been a little bit better with that aspect. And for Trevor Bauer, he's really given up two runs or fewer in every one of his starts ever since he winds up going at it in the first series of the season against the Colorado Rockies. And keep in mind, that's in Coors Field. He has been giving up a little bit of our contact. And with Bauer, walks have been an issue. In three out of his last five starts, four total walks. Four out of his last five, at least two. So that is something that is standing out to me, but... With that said, you certainly do have a St. Louis Cardinals team that they've been up and down with the bats. I do like their table setters, Tommy Edmond, along Dylan Carlson, a pair of guys hitting in the neighbor of a 270, along Tyler O'Neal has also been able to give you a double digit amount of home runs. And then you've also got a guy in Yadier Molina, who wound up getting the day off yesterday, but he's been hitting a 3 He does a great job, job of being able to call a game. You've got Paul Goldschmidt only at 250, though. You know that that's going to improve a Nolan Arenado. has been a terrific offseason acquisition. And then when you take a look at the bullpen as well, you've got a lot of guys that are doing a solid job for this team. Seth Olet just had a really rough year for the team, to say the least, but Genesis Cabrera, Giovanni Gallegos, Ryan Hazley, these are all guys that are pretty trustworthy. Jordan Nicks currently on the injured list, but Alex Reyes, he has become the closer of this team, and I believe that he's 15 out of 15 on save opportunities, so he's certainly been able to do his job. And for the Dodgers, the bullpen is just sort of a mismatch of guys. You've had Phil Bickford come into games recently. That's not SC2 terrific. Now, Kenley Jansen has been great along with Victor Gonzalez. I like both of these guys, but Gonzalez, why? of pitching yesterday, so that's on too 2 Terrific. And for the Dodgers, you know, Max Muncy just doing some absolutely magnificent things. 442 on base. Double-digit amount of home runs. 13th of the season yesterday. Cody Bellinger is back. He's only above 54 for the year. This is a small sample size. He spent much of the year on the injured list. He's going to be able to pick it up. But then you got Zach McKinstry. Chris Taylor along with Matt Beattie only in that pocket between a 267 and a 277. They've all done a good job of being able to get on base as well. Will Smith hitting a 277 and then you've been able to get a little bit of something out of Gavin Lux recently as well. But I do think that this is a spot in which the Dodgers should be a little bit of a favor. Trevor Bauer, a tremendous pitcher, but man, they have went too far on this one in my opinion. I want to, like I said, setting the Cardinals more around a plus 131 underdog. So I'm certainly going to be taking that plus price and you've got two of the most dominant pitchers in the big leagues in this one. I'm actually going to be taking a look at the under in this spot because I wound up saying it's 6.4. So we're going to be going under along with the St. Louis Cardinals. 9.59, 9.60 on the bank. Where you've got my New York Post play today is the New York Metropolitans hit the road off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Harold Kelly is going to be going for the D-backs. Jacob de Grom is going to be on the bump for the Metropolitans. Your total on this game, I've got to think that there's going to be a little bit of adjustment, but I'm seeing a 7.5 with the over and under. I work 105 115. This is interesting because I've got this total set. At... Ed- 5.7 personally, so you know where I'm heading here. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Mets, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 181 and minus 185. Your plus price here with Arizona is anywhere between plus 166 and plus 170. I also wound up setting the Mets right around a minus 184 on the money line. If you're looking at the run line, it's minus 120 right now. I'm seeing a couple minus 110, so that's a little bit of a horse apiece situation. I wanted personally saying this run line more around minus 110-ish, so I'm seeing a minus 105. I'm probably going to be holding off as whether or not I'm going to go money line or run line whichever one winds up improving. I'm probably going to be run line in this spot but going to be taking the Mets in some form or capacity but the real New York poll play of the day here is the under because with Merrill Kelly you want to be noting his home and road splits. At home he's got a sub 3 ERA for his career. On the road it's more like a 475 and his walks to strikeout ratio significantly better at home. At home he's getting about 4.6 strikeouts per walk. On the road that's more like 2.3 so that's something that I certainly do take a look at him for Jacob deGrom. The guy is just absolutely masterful. You're giving him an extra day of rest. He's got a 080 ERA for the season. His strikeouts for 9 are north of a 13. He's giving up 4 hits per 9. He's allowing 1 home run every 15 innings. His walks per 9 are at a 1.4 I mean, he has been absolutely terrific. Now, for the years in the Diamondbacks, you are getting back a couple guys. Carson Kelly has been in and out of the fold recently, but he was in the lineup yesterday hitting above a 443 on base. A lot of that was prior to him getting hurt. quitel Marte of the Marte Parte is back as well. He winds up hitting a home run yesterday. you like to see that. And Josh Rojas has been able to give you right around a 285 batting average 365 on base. And Josh Reddick, they kicked the tires on him, and he's been able to do a little bit of something. And Eduardo Escobar, double-digit amount of home runs for him, not necessarily getting on base. And then you take a look at the New York Mets. You might be getting back Mr. Pete Alonso, in this game, that is subject to change and if you wind up getting him back, hey you're going to have at least someone back for the Mets because you take a look at the team that wound up being able to get 13 runs on Saturday, Jonathan VR, Francisco Lindor, James McCann, Don Smith are really your regulars and if you got one guy with north of a 301 on base then that would be Jonathan VR. Dom Smith is the only one of those four hitting above 242 and then it's Billy McKinney, Thomas Nito Jose Peraza, Cameron Maybed, who has one hit so far this year in, I believe, 28 at-bats. I mean, is has been absolutely terrible from Brandon Drury. Wilfredo Tovar, that's not necessarily great now with the Mets. Bullpen is actually in the top five with regards to ERA, Jershich, Familia, Robbie Gazelman, Aaron Loop. I have no idea how these guys are doing it, but they are. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, the bullpen has been terrible, but the good news is they get to face off against this Mets lineup that is not necessarily been too great themselves. Joaquin Soria has been a hot mess. Joe Monopoly, you want no part of him, Alex Young. He's been halfway decent, but you don't have a lot of faith in these guys in this spot. Is certainly, if we're getting a 7.5 here, I'm going to be taking it under, like I said. I set this total at 5.7, so unless we're seeing a 5.5 like we were seeing on Sunday night Baseball, we are all aboard the under. That is the New York Post play today. And in some form or capacity, going to be taking the Mets, most likely on the run line, waiting on a little bit of a line move here, though. 961, 962 on the betting board. You have the Minnesota Twins at the road to face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Two of my favorite names as Jose Barrios, going to be going for the Minnesota Twins. Jorge Lopez is on the bump for the O's. Your tallest game is anywhere between 8.5 and, and 9. On the 8.5 overs any anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. Under is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. On the 9, under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. Over is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. You're looking at the Twinkies. Anywhere between minus 151 and minus 160. is you're probably there. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look... At the O's, anywhere between plus 138 and plus 148. It's going to take a lot for me to bet on Ore Lopez, and it's going to take more than this. I wound up saying the Twins as a minus 175 favorite personally with buddy Else Throughout his career, he's been better at home than he has been on the road, but in the last two years, he's actually been, if not better, at the very minimum equal on the road to where he's been at home, and he's been really the best pitcher for the Minnesota Twins so far this year. 5-2 and two record. He's given up about a home run per nine innings. You take a look at what he's been able to do on his road starts, it's actually been pretty solid. He's got a 260 road ERA across five starts, giving up two home runs in 27 and two thirds innings. Opponents are buck eighty nine off of him, and he gets a face off against the Orioles, who are currently on a double digit amount of lost games in a row. Cedric Mullins is hitting a 300 with a 363 on base for this OFC. He's been able to do something. Trey Boom Boom Mancini, double digit amount of home runs, 350 on base, 275 batting average, and then got a couple guys hitting between a 250 and a 260 in Anthony Santander along Freddie Galvis, but Ryan McKenna along with D.J. Stewart, Chan Sisko, Mikel Franco. This kid is going to be special, but struggling as of right now, Tyler Nevin. All these guys are rating below a two twenty five for this team, throwing their Pat along C. V. Wilkerson as well, and then you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles bullpen. It's actually been solid, but the problem is Adam Bluecoat, Cole Solzer, Dylan Tate, Paul Fry all on to pitching yesterday. You've got Tanner Scott available and other than that a lot of less than trustworthy guys. Now for the Minnesota Twins, bullpen in general has been less than trustworthy. Alex Colme has been a mess for this team. Ty Duffy, Luke Farrell they've been able to give you a little bit of something. Esa Robles and Taylor Rogers have not necessarily been good recently. They're able to give you some solid innings and then when you take a look at the Minnesota Twins, you have been able to get some power out of this lineup. I do like the fact that Nelson Cruz is back. 350 on base. Ever since coming back he hasn't necessarily been himself but a lot of guys that have decent on base percentages but aren't necessarily 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 getting hits in general. Mitch Garver and Darlton Simmons along Josh Donaldson all hitting in that pocket between a 225 and a 235 all have on bases between a 3.10 and a 3.31. Throwing there, Ore Polanco as well with his 2.31 average and then you've also got Miguel Sano who over the last 17 days has been able to hit eight home runs for this team. That has been a very good sign for them and Rob Refsneider has actually been very good for the Minnesota Twins but I do believe that Mr. Barrios is going to be able to give you a very good start and for Mr. Ore Lopez. Really hard to have any faith in him whatsoever. Ever since he came into the big leagues a few years ago, he has been towards the top of the league with regards to home runs, giving up her 9 right now, 1.8 per nine innings, which is sadly an improvement for him. Four walks given up per nine 580 ERA. Just feels like night in and night out. He's going to give up a bunch of runs. His last start against the Minnesota Twins gave up three runs over the course of six innings. I think that it's going to be significantly worse now. He has given up three runs or fewer in part of his last five starts, but I think that a little bit of regression is going to be setting in. He's going to get completely clobbered, set the total at 9.2, so this is a situation where I'm going to be taking the over. And if you're looking at the roll nine here of the Minnesota Twins, I am finding it in between even money and minus 105. I was willing to take this as long as I was not laying north of like a minus 115-ish, so we're going to be taking the run line here of the Minnesota Twins, and I'm going to be taking this total over as well. We move on to 963-964 on the betting board. The New York Yankees are going to be playing us the Tampa Bay Rays. Rich Hill goes for the Rays. Meanwhile... Jamison Tyon is on the bump for the New York Yankees. The Yankees are finding themselves as pretty big favorites here. Anywhere between minus 114 and minus 121. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the race, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 101 and plus 107. Your tolerance game is ranging between 8.5 and a half and nine. On the 8.5, you're finding that over anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120, the under is anywhere between even and minus 105. On the 9, you're finding that under anywhere between minus 125 and minus 120. Meanwhile, the over is anywhere between even and plus 105. And this is a situation in which I actually wound up making a small change after I wound up just not being impressed whatsoever by the New York Yankees over the weekend. I had originally set them as more around a minus one eleven favorite. I wanted making this relatively a pick because if you take a look at Rich Hill, over his last five starts, he has given up a combined three runs and went six plus innings in four of them. He has been absolutely terrific. The Tampa Bay Race, nineteen and seven road record that is the best out there in the big leagues. And you've got a Yankees team that's traveling back to Yankee Stadium and well, they wound up getting swept in Detroit by the Tigers. That is not necessarily what you want. Now, with the Yankees, you do have some good top-end talent. You've got to believe that after a little bit of a rough series, Aaron Judge is going to be able to pick it up. He's been tremendous for the team all year long. Hitting above a 300 double-digit amount of home runs, you know what you're getting there. Gio Urshela has been able to get on base for this team. That has been relatively solid. He's hitting right around a 265 along for Labor Torres and DJ LeMayo. They're all in that pocket, so you are able to get that. Giancarlo Stanton is also now back for the team, but then you've got Gary Sanchez, Miguel Anduar, Clint Frazier, along Kyle Lagash, Yoka, Rude Adador, a bunch of guys hitting a 226 or lower for this team. And then you've got Luke Voigt, who out up coming back off the injured list. Seems like he's injured once again. That's not necessarily too terrific. Now, good news for the Yankees is they were able to rest their bullpen. And they're good bullpen pieces. I'm talking about someone like a Jonathan Luizga. Obviously Aroldis Chapman is at the top of the list, but also Chad Green. I would put Lucas Lutiche in that fold as well. He's been solid. These guys are going to be able to give you some solid innings. And for Jameis to tie on, they're probably going to need to look to them early because he is giving up nearly two home runs per nine innings his walks per nine have not been terrible right around 2.6 ish per nine innings but he has given up at least three runs in three out of his last four starts not necessarily getting as many swings and misses recently as well after he was able to get a bunch of punch outs at the beginning of the year and for the Tampa Bay Rays they've got if not the best bullpen out there in the big leagues one of the best you've got to love what you're able to get out of Andrew Kittredge you've been able to get some good performance out of Jeffrey Springs after he wound up having a little bit of a tough start to the year Pete Fairbanks, Diego Castillo. These guys are very reliable. And J.P. Feierheisen, who they wind up acquiring for William Domas, he's become the team's closer. So... That tells you all you need to know right there with the Rays. Pretty much any plus price is going to do. And I'm currently seeing as good as a plus 107. So we are going to be taking the Tampa Bay Rays in this spot with this total little bit fast saying because I do think that Rich Hill is doing for a little bit of regression here. But I want saying it at 8.2. I think it's a tad bit high. So we're going to be taking the under along with the Tampa Bay Rays. 965, 966, and 971, 972 are going to be done all together because this is the double dip. Between the Chicago White Sox and the Cleveland Indians, Right now in the early game, which would be 965-966, I'm seeing Carlos Rodan going up against Turistin McKenzie of the Indians. And then in 971-972, Indians are completely undecided who to go with in Game 2. And Jimmy Lambert is going to be going for the Chicago White Sox. We'll start with Carlos Rodon start as I made him a minus 147 favorite over Tristan McKenzie. I do recognize that these games are being played out there in Cleveland. But with McKenzie, walks have been a massive issue. He's given up over eight walks per night headings. He's also giving up more than two runs per night. It has not been good to say the least. He is a right-handed pitcher, which helps because the Chicago White Sox, I believe, are now 26-2 in their last 28 against left-handed pitching. And I will say this for McKenzie. He has given you zero earned runs in five-plus innings in two out of his last four stars. Problem is, in the other two, he's given up a combined 11 runs and won 4 and a 3rd innings or fewer in the other two. So you just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of this guy. And the good news for McKenzie as well, he is backed up by an absolutely terrific bullpen. They did wind up having to get some use yesterday because this is going to be their second doubleheader in two games. So Emmanuel Clay, Nick Wickren all wound up getting used up in game two of that doubleheader. But you got to think that James Karachek is going to be on call in this game. You've got to think that you're going to be having Brian Shaw come out as well. And for the Cleveland Indians, they have been without frame mail. Reyes for quite a while. That has certainly hurt them. But you take a look at this lineup. You have a couple guys that are starting to step up for the team. Jose Ramirez, Harold Ramirez, Amir Rosario. All guys hitting between a two forty three and a two fifty six. And with Jose Ramirez, he has been able to give you 12 home runs this season. So he's been able to do a relatively solid job now. You've got a bunch of guys hitting a 2.15 or lower. Owen Miller, Yu Chang, Jake Bowers. You now have Yippy Skippy Bradley Zimmer coming back. Woohoo. Cesar Hernandez. A lot of guys are just not holding up their end of the bargain. Josh Hayler has been able to give you a little bit of something, but other than Mr... Rene Rivera at the catcher spot. That entire spot has been absolutely terrible for the team. And then you take a look at the White Sox. This is a team that they're doing a tremendous job of being able to get on base. Jose Abreu right now leading the league in RBI after you wound up having a little bit of a slow start to the season. Tim Anderson right around 295 batting average for 330 on base. Sigmatic Madrigal is hitting at 300. Johan Mokada 421 on base. 289 batting average. You remember Mercedes still hitting a 320 now. Andrew Vaughn, Luis Garcia, Billy Hamilton hitting in that pocket between a 211 and a 227. Not necessarily terrific. And Zach Collins, who's been playing catcher the last couple days. Not necessarily been great, but for the White Sox, Liam Hendricks was used yesterday, but only for 13 pitches. And Groshay only for 9. So you're likely going to have them available. And you still have a bunch of other trustworthy bullpen pieces. Aaron Bummer is someone that I do like for this team. You've got Matt Foster, who had a really bad start to the year. He's starting to pick it up. Cody Hewer is someone I like along with Oz Jose Ruiz, so in this spot, certainly going to be taking a look at the White Sox. And in that Rodon versus McKenzie game, I wound up saying this total right in the neighborhood of about a 6.1, so if you're looking at a 6 or lower in this spot, going to be taking a look at the over, 6.5 or higher, going to be taking a look at the under, and then we obviously just have no idea who's going to be going for the Indians in game two. I wouldn't doubt if you wind up just getting them trotting out there the wholesale approach. They might wind up calling upon like Kel Quantrill if he's on the 40-man roster since he's got a little bit of starting experience. And with Jimmy Lambert... This is going to be very fascinating because I also think that you might be going with the wholesale approach as well. I'm a little bit surprised that you don't wind up going with Michael Kopech. I know that he's been dealing with a couple of injuries, but he has been relatively solid. You've got to think that there's going to be all hands on deck for the Chicago White Sox in this one as I believe that Kopech is actually now on the injured list which is why he's not going to be getting the start in this one. But you take a look at Jimmy Lambert. He is a 26-year-old who I believe is going to be making his first start of his career. If he did wind up making a start it was a very, very brief one he, at the A level so far this year, a 771 ERA in five starts. He has not necessarily been too terrific. He has, through A so far this season, giving up 3.1 home runs and 4.6 walks per nine, but 17.7 strikeouts per nine. I mean, he is either striking him out or giving up a home run. It is absolutely insane what we are seeing there. So, I mean, game two of this one is probably going to be off the walls. I'll probably be setting a high total. I mean, it is just going to be Oh, you-know-what breaking list with Jimmy Lambert against to be determined of the Cleveland Indians. So check back in the morning of my turn feed at here 41. I was able to give you a lot on the first. This second game, with if Lambert winds up getting the start, it's anyone's guess as to what we might be getting there. 967, 968 on the betting board. The Oakland A's set the road to face off against the Seattle Mariners. Logan Gilbert going to be going for the M's. James Caparillion is going to be on the bump for the Oakland A's. A's are finding themselves anywhere between minus 125 and minus 140 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Seattle, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 115 and plus 123. Your total game is 8.5. Under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even at minus 115 for Caparillion. He's been able to do a relatively solid job for the Oakland A's and I just don't like what I'm seeing out of Logan Gilbert right now. He's a promising prospect and I do think that he's someone that is going to be able to thrive eventually in this league, but I feel like he, along with Jared Kellnick, they're going to be taking their lumps for quite a while for this team. You take a look at Gilbert. I believe that he has now made three starts for this team. Ten and two thirds I across them. 759 ERA with a 141 whip. Now, I will say, his last start was by far his best winds up going four innings against this Oakland A's team. Gives up two runs in the process, but it's just one of these situations in which he doesn't seem to be able to utilize his pitches the best. He's leaving the ball out over the plate too much, and for Kaeperillian, 17 and two-thirds innings across his few starts, buck 53 ERA. He is getting right around 10 strikeouts per nine innings. The walks have been a little bit of an issue. He's given up right around three and a half walks per nine innings, but by and large, he's been able to do the job for the Oakland A's, you got to think that this is an offense that's going to be coming out very hungry. A combined five runs scored in their series against the LA Angels in the last three games after they played a five in game one. Now, the pitching has actually been very solid for this Oakland Ace team. They have given up now four runs or fewer in each out of their last seven games. That includes a series that they wound up having against the Seattle Mariners in which they lost two of three at home. And for the A's, they've actually been a significantly better pitching team on the road than they have been at home. Their road ERA is hovering right around a 3-6-ish. Meanwhile, at home, it's more like a four three five. And for the Oakland A's, you do have quite a few guys in a. Great job of being able to get on base for the team. Matt Chapman, Jed Lowry, Sam Murphy, Mitch Moreland, all hitting between a 309 and a 325 with their on base. Mark Hanna, he Canna, he cannot do a lot for you. 386 on base, double digit amount of home runs now. Ramon Loriano being out of the fold certainly does hurt the team, but you've got Matt Olsen, who's hitting right around 250, double digit amount of home runs for him. Whenever you've had Tony Kemp out there, he's been able to do a relatively solid job. And for the Oakland A's, this is a bullpen that's still relatively solid. Lou Trevino did not wind up getting used yesterday. Jesus Sardo, now coming out of the bullpen for the team That's a little bit surprising. You want to be avoiding Submergio Romo because Submergio Romo will submerge your game and your tickets. 680, 80 He has not been too terrific, but he has Petit has been able to do a good job. Diolius Guerrero has been able to give you a little bit of something as well. And then when you take a look at the Seattle Mariners, you do now have Will Bess back in the fold after he spent a little bit of time on the injured list. Kendall Graveman, he was terrific for the scene, but it appears as though he's not going to be available in this game either. Keenan Middleton, Anthony Micevich have been able to give you a little bit of something. And Rafael Monteto is someone with right around a 5-ish ERA, but when you take a look at the Seattle Mariners lineup, you don't have a lot of guys that get on base consistently for this team. You've had Mitch Haniger, who's been absolutely terrific for this team. He has been able to hit right around a 261. He's been able to supply 14 home runs. Kyle Lewis, Ty France, J.P. Crawford, all in between a 246 and a 256, and with Lewis and along with Ty France, these two guys, a 336 to a 346 on base. So you've been able to get a little bit of something there. But Kyle Seeger, after a good start to the year, hitting a 222. And then you've got Tom Murphy, Jack Mayfield, Donovan Walton, Jared Kelnick, all hitting a 190 or lower. And neither of these guys have north of a 225 on base. That is not too many redeeming qualities right there. And then when you take a look at just what you're able to get on the Oakland A's in general, this is a team that has been very solid on the road. I do think that the A's should be a relatively sizable favorite as I just don't have a lot of faith in Mr. Gilbert. I'm going to be taking the A's on the money line. Was really in this spot willing to lay up to a minus 138. And with this total, I want up setting it at 8.7. So we're going to be going over along with the A's. 969, 970 on the banking board. Houston Astros are going to be playing us the Boston Red Sox. Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be going for the Sox. Jose Orecchini is going to be on the boat for the Houston Astros. Astros, a small favorite in this spot. Anywhere between minus 106 and minus 115. If you're looking at the socks, you're going to be finding them as bad as a minus 107, as good as a plus 105. And your total on range between 8.5 and, and 9. On the 8.5, over Zanning-14, minus 110, and minus 120. Under Zanning-14, even a minus 110 on the 9. Under is just a 120, and the over is even. And with Eduardo Rodriguez, he has been able to do a significantly better job of not issuing walks than he did in 2019 when he actually led the American League in that category. He has really been able to hone it in And as a result, he's been able to do a solid job after missing the 2020 season. Now, the 506 ERA is a little bit high, but he's given up right around 1.4-ish home runs per nine, innings of walks per nine. These are hovering right in the neighborhood of about 2.1, 2.2-ish, so I do give him credit. Now, last couple starts have been rough. Four runs or more given up in four out of his last five starts. He's had a little bit of a murderer's row, and this is someone that... On the road has not necessarily been able to find it so far this year. 5.59 ERA and six road starts. Only giving up four home runs, but still opponents are hitting a 3.31 off of them with the Houston Astros. This is an offense that they certainly are capable of being able to put up runs. This is a bunch in which they have scored at least four runs and now 16 out of their last 20 games, and you've got a couple guys that are banged up for this team. Michael Brantley has missed the last couple games. You've got, though, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, pair of guys hitting right around a 300. not having Jordan Alvarez. Going to be a little bit of a loss as well. Carlos Correa is hitting in the neighbor of a 275. he He's been able to give this team some recent power. Kyle Tucker gets his 11th home run of the season yesterday. Now, bottom of the lineup, guys like Martin Maldonado, Taylor Jones, and company, they're not necessarily doing well, but James McCormick has been able to give you a little bit of something as well, but your big issue with the Astros this bullpen: Brooks Raley has not been good. Ryan Presley has been used quite a bit the last couple weeks. He does have me a little bit concerned. Kent Emanuel, the long guy, he is now on the injured list. Ralph Garza is now seeing some innings because of how much usage you've got. Nivaldo Rodriguez is someone that the team is very high on, as he's a little bit of a prospect. Saw a couple innings at the big league level last year. I don't have a lot of faith in him. Andre Scrub, Joe Smith, they're having rough seasons as well. And then when you take a look at the flip side, and what you're able to get out of the Boston Red Sox. I do think that regression is going to be coming in for this bullpen, but Hurt Kazusawa, long Care Woodlock have been very good for the team. Adam Anovino is able to give you some good innings. The fact that they wind up not having to play yesterday actually means that you've got a very well-rested bullpen after they wound up using quite a few arms on Saturday. So Matt Barnes going to be available for this game as well. So I actually do think that that's a little bit of an advantage here for the Boston Red Sox, which is why I'm going to be giving them a little bit of an edge here. You take a look at Jose Urakiti. He's going to be making his first start in quite a while. And so far this year, it's one of those he hasn't been great. He hasn't been awful sort of things. He's given up six home runs in 44 and two-thirds innings. He's kept down the walks, right around 1.8 walks per nine innings, but take a look at it. Last time he wound up starting is May 12th. I really don't like taking guys coming off the injured list now. Prior to that, two runs are free were given up in each out of his previous four starts, so he was really rolling along. Never really been a guy that's going to get you a bunch of swings and misses for his career, right around 7 strikeouts per 9 innings. So far this year, 33 punch outs and 44 and 2 thirds innings, but I think that with him coming off the injured list and the Astros bullpen being suspect at best, I'm going to be digging the Boston Red Sox one to making them a little bit of a favorite. Also want up saying this total at 9.2 with Rodriguez having his road struggles and Urikidi coming off the injured list. So I'm going to be taking the over and the plus price here with the Red Sox. 971, 972, that was part of the double dip between the Indians and the White Sox. So we move to 973, 974 on the banking board. The move Milwaukee Brewers are going to be playing us to the Detroit Tigers. Corbin Burns is going to be going for the Milwaukee Brewers. Meanwhile, for the Detroit Tigers, it is old to be determined. I was seeing Jose Yarenya going for them. If it would be Yarenya versus Corbin Burns, I'd be setting this as a minus 185 favorite spot for the Milwaukee Brewers. Probably would be setting that total. Anything below a 6.5 under. And it looks like we're going to be getting Tyler Alexander. Which means that Brewers are going to be a little bit north of a $2 favorite on my line. I'll probably be making the run line about a minus 125-ish here. With Tyler Alexander, he's not necessarily terrible when it comes to his starting experience. If you take a look for his career, right around about a four-five to a 6-ish ERA. He's a guy that gives you right around 8 strikeouts per 9 innings. Hard contact is an issue. He gives up 1.7 home runs per nine innings, and he's going to be facing a Milwaukee Brewers bunch at- they're finally starting to round into form with regards to the bats. Obviously, Sale Garcia was able to give you a home run in that double dip a few days ago. He's been able to hit in that realm of about a 250. Colt Wong at the top. He's hitting a 290 for this team. Christian Yelich is back. Not necessarily hitting for average, and I believe he's only got one home run so far this year, but he still has a 392 on base. He's going to be able to find it. Omir is hitting above a 300. He goes deep yesterday. Now, William Domus, Jackie Bradley Jr., Travis Shaw, along with Tyrone Taylor, Daniel Robertson, Daniel Vogelback, all these guys are wearing a 215 or lower. It has not necessarily been great. Well, you know, I'm sitting at 222. i I'm sorry to you, Mr. Adamus, but when you take a look at the Brewers, you did wind up having to use up Josh Hader yesterday, but only for 13 pitches, so he should be available in this game, Devin Williams, as well, so that's certainly going to be able to help out this team. And then we you take a look at the Tigers, they're coming off a tremendous series against the New York Yankees. You gotta think that they might be resting on their laurels a little bit. Now, I will say this for the Tigers. They have given up four runs or fewer in five out of the last six starts, so the bullpen has been able to come around but it has really been the worst bullpen in the big leagues all season long. Brian Garcia, Kyle Funkhauser, Michael Fulmer. These guys are not terrific. And then when you dig a the Detroit Tigers, well, you're not getting a lot of inning from this team. I will say Jameer Candelario has been able to hit right around at 280. And you've got a young shortstop doing a little bit of something in Zach Short. Now he's got seven career at-bats, but he's been able to do a little bit of something for you. But then you've got Miguel Cabrera, Noah Mazzara, Eric Oz, Victor Reyes, Willie Castro, a bunch of guys hitting a 220 or lower. Nico Goodrum hitting a 225 has been able to get on base for the team, and whenever you've had Robbie Grossman out there, he has been pretty rock solid, but this is a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the Brewers as right around a minus 125-ish on the run line on the money line north of $2.00. And this is a spot in which, with Alexander going a 7 or lower, I'm going to be taking a look at the over. 7.5 for I are going to be taking a look at the under, because with Corbin Burns, he has been letting up a little bit recently, but going up against the Detroit Tigers should be a lot. help him out. He has given up at least 4 runs and now 2 out of his last 4 starts, but then again, one of those starts was against the San Diego Padres. He's had some injury concerns that wound up walking 3 against the Padres. I think that he's a little bit less concerned about that walk street now, which I actually think is going to be able to help him out. His strikeouts per 9, north of 13, he's been great. He's given up 2 home runs so far this year, so the Brewers are going to be a sizable favorite. And like I said, seven or lower are going to be taking a look at the over, seven after or higher are going to be taking a look at the under. 975, 976 on the betting board. The battle for the state of California as the LA Angels hit the road face off against the San Francisco Yanches. Johnny Cueto is going to be going for the Giants. Dylan, don't call me Al Bundy, is going to be on the bump. For the Angels, Angels as expected, going to be finding themselves an underdog here. You're going to be getting them anywhere between plus one fifteen and plus one twenty one. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Giants, anywhere between minus one twenty six and minus one thirty nine. Your total on this game range between eight and eight and a half. On the eight, the overs anywhere between minus one ten and minus one fifteen. Under is anywhere between minus one ten and minus one hundred five. On the eight and a half, under is anywhere between minus one ten and minus one twenty five. Meanwhile, the overs anywhere between plus one hundred five and minus one ten. Johnny Cueto has been able to do a solid job so far this year. This is not the Johnny Cueto vote. He has aged himself a little bit and he's been able to just do the job so far this year. Two home runs given up in 37 in the third innings. His strikeouts per nine hovering right around 7.5 to 8-ish but you just take a look at him night in and night out. I do recognize that he wound up giving up four runs in his last start against the Arizona Diamondbacks but he keeps these games out in front of him and has given up a combined two walks in his last five starts. Meanwhile, you take a look at Bundy He's given up a bunch of hard contact. 1.8 home runs, given up per nine innings. Now the walks are right around 2.6 per nine. So he hasn't been bad there, but a 650 ERA and an 0-5 record. The Angels have not been good in his starts. If you take a look at it, the Angels, over his last nine starts, are 2-7. and seven, And they have just not given him any run support whatsoever. He has gotten more than four runs of support twice this year. And one of those games was the 14-11 to 11 game that they wound up losing to the Dodgers. So, it has not been good for him. Now, Shohei Otani, he has been good for the Angels. And he's been more than good. He's been terrific. 263 batting average. 15 home runs, 40 RBI. He's got to be your leader for AL MVP at this point. You got to think that Anthony Rendon is going to be able to pick it up. He's hitting a 220 right now. That's just absolutely absurd. As Taylor Ward hanging in that pocket as well. Kurt Suzuki, Jose Rojas, Drew Biotera. And then you got one of the Wongs in Kian Wong, who is all hitting a 215 or lower. Phil Gosselin has been able to give you a little bit of something, though. He's been pressed into action David Fletcher and Juan Lagares have actually been able to give you a little bit of a decent batting average as well, and then you take a look at the Angels. They wind up pitching 10 scoreless innings from the bullpen over the last, I believe it was three games against the Oakland A's, might have been two, but they were able to come up big. I don't think that they're going to continue this. Jose Suarez was good in long relief, but Hunter Strickland, Tony Watson, Alex Claudio, Steve Seashek. these guys are not necessarily too great, and for the Angels despite having that great series against the Oakland A's over the last three days, giving up two home runs per nine, nine innings out of the bullpen, by far the most out there in the big leagues, and for the Giants, they've got a home ERA that is a little bit above it, too. They've been in the top five with yards of home ERA all season. Zach Liddell, Jake McGee, who wanted pitching yesterday, Tyler Rogers, these guys have all been very solid. Jose Alvarez sometimes makes you sweat a little bit, but Charlton Garcia has actually been very good recently for the San Francisco Giants on the bullpen, and the Giants, 33 and 20, despite the fact that they've got a couple guys aren't hitting right now. Now, most of these guys I list have north of a 310 on base, but you take a look at it, Alex Dickerson, Austin Slater, Mikey Stremski, along with Wilmer Flores, Mauricio Dubon, playing between a 2.16 and a 2.40. Once again, doing a good job of being able to get on base and Lamonte Wade Jr. Hitting a 3.53 has been tremendous, but this is all about Buster Posey. He just has made such a difference for this Giants team. He does a great job buying the dish. Wound getting the day off yesterday for Kirk Casaleu? has done nothing for this team with regards to the bat. He doesn't call a game the way that our good buddy, Mr. Posey, does, but he, in my opinion, might be the most valuable player out there in the National League. He has been that good so far this year. Evan Longoria, 265 batting average Brandon Crawford. it has been in and out of the fold, but he's been able to hit it right around at 260. He's been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. I do think that Johnny Cueto is going to be able to give you a relatively solid starting for Dylan Bundy. He is just having an absolutely terrible year in this spot. We're going to be taking the Giants on the money line. I wanted to say them more in that realm of anything below 140 being a take on them. I also set the total at 8.6. I know that San Francisco, a little bit more pitcher friendly, but I think that the Angels are doing for some regression after a good weekend. So taking the over and the Giants and wrap things up with nine seventy-seven, nine seventy-eight on the main board. The Pittsburgh Pirates hit the red face off against the Kansas City Royals. Mike Miner hopes it not be a major disappointment for the Royals. Meanwhile, Chad Cool is going to be going for the Pirates. Toronto's game, games eight and a half overs anywhere between minus 105 and one twenty. The unders anywhere between even a minus one fifteen. If you're looking at the Royals, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus one sixty nine and minus one seventy six. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates, it's anywhere between plus one fifty one and plus one sixty. And for Chad Cool, it's going to be his first start in quite a while. It was actually the opening day starter for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and you got to figure that he's probably not going to be lending a lot of length as he hasn't been the last couple years in general. I remember they had him actually split starting with a few guys last season. He's pitched 15 and two-thirds innings so far this year prior to going on the injured list. He was giving out more than nine walks per nine innings. His last start was on April 18th, so he was just not necessarily having a good start to the year end. When he wanted making his two relief appearances out there at A, across six and a third innings, buck 42 ERA. He actually looked much better. The walks per nine, still a 4.3 down there, but he was able to get some good swings and misses. You always know, which had cool having north of a four walks per nine rate for his career that he's always going to have that issue but he is backed up by quite a few guys who are able to give you a little bit of something Chris Strain is someone that has been a big league starter throughout his career Richard Rodriguez has been tremendous for the team Kyle Crick has been able to give you some good innings and then for the Kansas City Royals Mike Miner is not a guy that I have any faith in whatsoever. Right around 1.5 home runs per nine innings, giving up just under four walks per nine. Now, strikeouts per nine, right around 10ish. He's been able to do a solid job there, but you just take a look at him. He is all over the place. In his last five starts, he has given up three, five, one, four, and one runs, and he's only given up two home runs in that stint as well. So that actually has me a little bit more concerned than anything else. He, at home, he's got a 643 ERA across five starts. He has opponents hitting a 260 off of them. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, this is a team that they're towards the bottom of the league with regards to every offensive category when it comes to power. Now, they do have Adam Frazier at the top, nearly a four on base, 333 batting average. That is terrific. Jacob Stallings, 333 on base. And Brian Reynolds, 285 ish batting average, 389 on base. But you do have Will Craig, Jacob Stallings sitting in between that 231 and 241 pocket. Gregory Polanco is not the guy that they should have held on to long term. G20 batting average. He has been a disappointment for this team. You've got Cole Tucker, Kai Tom. These guys sitting below the Mendoza line of 200. Eric Gonzalez right around 215. And they're banged up in general, which does not help. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Kansas City Royals. I was just expecting a little bit more out of this lineup. Ode Solaire hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. Massive disappointment. 48 home runs in 2019. Here in 2020, he's got four of them, and I believe that he wound up getting benched yesterday, and rightfully so, because he has been not good, to say the least. Now you've got Gerard Dyson, Carlos Santana along with Merrifield, all hitting in that 250 range along Kelvin Gutierrez. Now with Mr. Santana... 385 on base. He's been able to do a solid job there. Andrew Benatendi hitting nearly at 285. And Salvador Perez, double digit mile of homers, 275 batting average. Very good catcher for the team. But I take a look at this spot with the Kansas City Royals. The bullpen has been a little bit sporadic all year long. Tyler Zuber has honestly been terrific. Kyle Zimmer. Has been very good, but he wanted pitching yesterday along with Scott Barlow and Greg Holland, who are really your most trustworthy bullpen pieces because I believe that Josh Stamount is currently on the injured list for the team, so that's not going to be able to help them out. So now you have to rely upon Jake Prince, who is pretty solid, but I take a look at what you're able to get out of someone like Jacob Junis, who they might be using quite a bit out of the bullpen. That's not good. Wade Davis as well. So, I do think that the Royals are a little bit overvalued here. As long as I'm getting the Pittsburgh Pirates at, I would say, north of a plus 145, it is a take here. I'm seeing them as high as a plus 160, so we're certainly going to be riding with the Pittsburgh Pirates in this spot. And with this total, it's a little bit tricky because you've got Chad Cool making his first turn in quite a while, but I don't anticipate him really going past three to four innings. And the Pittsburgh Pirates bullpen has actually been very good so that is why I set this total at 7.9 and with Minor, he has been a disappointment but at the same time, he is also finishing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates lineup so we're going to be digging this total under to go along with the plus price here with Pittsburgh and that we'll wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Monday. Big thanks to Jeff Parles of Visa and along with the Parlay cast for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You've got one of two ways to be able to find questions if you have them for this podcast. First one is my Twitter timeline, at Squirty one Keep in mind the letters zm They mean does not matter. The other way is finding an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. I'm going to be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.